You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Good morning, Every Nation family in Canada. It is such a joy to be here with you today. I'm Carrie Stevens. I'm from Austin, Texas. My husband, Morgan, and I lead an Every Nation church in Austin called Mosaic. And it's a joy to be here with you. I have four kids, a little bit about myself. I have one tiny dog who's crying in another room because I locked her up while I do this. And I'm an author and I am a friend of Bert and Sheila. So Bert and Sheila and our family all lived in Nashville for a couple of years together. And it was just a great, wonderful gift to get to know them there. And one of the best things we carried with us um, when we left our time in Nashville was the friendship that God had really given us with them. And I adore them. Uh, when Sheila called me and asked me about this and gave me the details, she did tell me that I could pick whatever Psalm I wanted, which clearly was a test. I recognize that the same way asking me to pick my favorite book or my favorite movie or my favorite restaurant is a test to find out something about me. You know, if you asked me like, which of my children is my favorite, I would not answer that question, but that would be a test, wouldn't it? Yes, it's a test to find out if there's some dysfunctional need within me that you could possibly find out about from my answer. So I know this is a test. I'm up for the test. I went to my Bible. I opened up the Psalms and I started going through them to try to find one that was my favorite. And I'm going to tell you, Psalm 46 stood up and insisted. It just insisted. It told me it wanted me to pick it. And I didn't want to argue with Psalm 46. It's pretty strong in its, in its conviction that it was the right choice for us for today. So we're going to start there with Psalm 46, which is a wonderful psalm. And I'm going to be reading to you from the CSB. God is our refuge and strength, the helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. There is a river, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Amen. That was Psalm 46, verses 1 through 11. Now, over the years, I've come to kind of regard the Psalms as like lullabies for our souls, the same way a lullaby calms a child in distress or um, helps them to find peace so they can fall asleep. The Psalms offer that to us, really. I mean, they are songs and they're songs for our souls. And I don't think we utilize lullabies enough as adults, and the Psalms actually give us access to that. I'm a mom of four children. I'm well-versed in singing lullabies. Now, my kids don't need them any longer. They're all teenagers, way too big and cool and mature for their mom to need their mom to sing to them at night. However, when my children were young, that was a nightly thing we did every night. Now, I didn't get to do it the easy Mary Poppins way where I like sat in a rocking chair and everybody was in their beds listening. And I sang one song and four people fell asleep. 
I had to give each child their own song. My kids insisted on this. This was part of our nightly ritual. My three boys slept in one room. And even so I had to sit on each bed individually, sing a different song to each child as we went. What I'm telling you, of course, is that my children were emotional manipulators when they were young and that I had a hard time drawing boundaries, clearly. However, neither here nor there, that was our routine. But one night I was really tired from taking care of four small children all day long. And I sat and I sang to the first child and I went and I sang to the second child. And when I got to that third kid's bed, I couldn't think of a song. I was out of songs, fresh out of ideas, lyrics, all of that. So I recycled one of the earlier songs I had sung and I sang my third child a repeat. And do you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. Nobody even noticed. And I felt like I had gotten away with like the greatest shortcut in all of history. I had made all the work, you know, cut it in a third, the work in that room of bedtime routine, which every parent knows if you can cut the bedtime routine down, you're doing something really worth doing, right? So I started doing that every night. I just would recycle the songs and nobody noticed for like weeks until, and I know you hear it coming, one night I sang a song to the first child, I sang another song to the second child, sat down on the third child's bed and I sang that first song again. And the first kid noticed and he sat up in his bed and he glared at me and he started pointing his finger at me and crying and telling me how wrong it was that that was his song and how could I sing it to his brother and blah, the whole, I mean, it was awful. My child had mistaken, right? He had mistaken the lullaby itself for the power that the lullaby offered him. Every song I offered my children really was an an offering of love. It was my attempt to reassure them that they were not alone, that I was there and that it was going to be okay to remind them that I was right down the hall and I loved them so much. And no matter what, I would come to them and to refocus them on the task at hand, which was falling asleep, right? That's your only job at night, kids. It's just to fall asleep. That's all we want you to do. Just fall asleep. We know you get distracted. We know you have ideas. The lullaby reminds you. It refocuses you on falling asleep. And really, the Psalms are no different. If we look at each Psalm, very often, we will find that they offer us those three things. The Psalms come to us and they reassure us of things. They remind us of things and they refocus us about things. What things? It's different Psalm to Psalm. So I want to look at Psalm 46 today and see how it does those three things for us, how it reassures us, how it reminds us, and how it refocuses us. So we'll start first with how Psalm 46 reassures us. Now, I like to be reassured. I like to be reassured of things. I mostly like to be reassured of two things every day of my life, no matter what's going on. I like to be reassured. Number one, I'm not crazy. And number two, (laughs) I am not alone. Those are my two top two reassurances I need pretty much every day, no matter what's happening. How does Psalm 46 reassure us that we are not crazy? Well, first of all, it starts talking about crazy stuff happening in the world, wild things happening, right? Like basically mountains crumbling into the ocean and like the earth liquefying and all these wild things are happening in Psalm 46. And it's reassuring us that things can shake and quake. That's normal. That's part of life. 
Now, I grew up in Southern California, which, as you may know, has earthquakes. Earthquakes were very common. I mean, not all the time, but frequently we would have earthquakes when I was growing up. And I'm going to tell you right now that when an earthquake happens, it is crazy. And the walls do shake. And if you go outside, sometimes the sidewalk will look like ocean waves. And the ground is so unstable that you, you can't get your balance. And your first thought when you're in the middle of an earthquake and all of the things that are supposed to be still and solid and permanent in their place, when all that starts moving, your first thought is, this should not be happening. Because <laughs> it shouldn't. Our lives in 2020 quaked, didn't they? Everything got canceled, schools got closed, buildings shut down, life went small and disconnected, and we couldn't even be with our like grandparents and parents and siblings, and we got really small, and all most of us probably thought for the majority of 2020 was, this should not be happening. And Psalm 46 is here to tell us that that's a normal response. That's normal when things that are supposed to be solid and steadfast and sturdy and still begin moving in ways that you couldn't have predicted. It is normal to think this should not be happening. And it's normal to be afraid. A natural response to the shaking is to be afraid. However, if you read Psalm 46 and it talks about, we will not fear it's promising us that we don't have to be afraid just because we feel afraid doesn't mean we have to live in it and be afraid. We were not meant to live like this, disconnected and alone. We were not, we just weren't. This is not how things are supposed to be. And Psalm 46 wants us to know we're not crazy. We're not crazy. We're right. And secondly, that we're not alone. Two times, the psalm repeats these words, the Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Because we need to be reassured that we're not alone. I was in middle school when California had a really big earthquake in the Bay Area. And everything shaked. The ground shook. I had to jump out of bed. I was home alone because I was on fall break and my parents were at work and my brother had school still. And I had to go find somewhere safe to ride out the earthquake. And the minute the earthquake was done... I called my mom. My immediate response was, I've got to call my mom and make sure I hear her voice so she can remind me that she went through it too. And I'm not alone. I'm not, I'm not going to be alone. She's going to come home and it's all going to be okay. And I was thinking about this as I was writing this sermon and, you know, our instinct to immediately contact another person in the digital age, it, we've lost that a little bit. And I think it's because we don't need to do it all the time, right? Like the world is our oyster online. Google exists. We don't need people to get our help or our information necessarily. We can connect with people in sort of a sideways way. I was explaining to my kids the other day that when I was a kid, um, we didn't have Google. We didn't have the internet. Um, if I needed something, my parents would would send me directly to a person for help. We literally, we needed people in order to connect with information or help or aid or systems or whatever. You went to a person first, not to a website, you know, a podcast, 
something recorded, a video, a YouTube video. You called your uncle for help. You called your aunt for help. You went over to your neighbor's house to ask if they knew how to do something. We don't do that anymore, do we? I was really introverted and had some social anxiety as a kid, although I wouldn't have known to call it that. Some of my most anxious moments <laughs> involved a Yellow Pages. You remember Yellow Pages? That big phone book with like every phone number of every business and person who lives in your city sitting in front of you. I would sit with my yellow pages open. My mom would hand me the phone and I'd have to call a business to ask like, what time do you close tonight? And do you have such and such in stock? We don't have to do that anymore. We just order it online. My other horrible moments as a child involving (laughs) asking for help was we would be in public places like at the mall or, you know, walking around a kind of downtown area or um, at Disneyland or, or, you know, a, a fair or something. And we wouldn't know where we were going. And my parents would make me practice asking for directions and they would send me to a real life person to ask for help. Now, those things were horrible for me. I hated all of that. But over time, as I practiced reaching out for help, doing what was uncomfortable, as I practiced it, I learned that for the most part, people want to be helpful. And particularly when it's their job, they're very helpful and they're usually very kind about it. People are good in that way a lot of the time. And I got used to trusting that when I needed help, I would be able to find someone who could help me. We don't really do this anymore. And certainly with the pandemic, we've lost a lot of our normal ways of connecting with one another. And so really we need to practice not being alone. We need to find ways to connect safely Given our circumstances, exposures, government, you know, restrictions, all of that, especially as the Delta variant is now increasing, it's a, it's a new game again, but we can still connect and with people, right. Without even maybe being with them in person, God, we're tired of zoom, but thank God for zoom. What would we do without it? Psalm 46 is here to reassure us that we aren't crazy and we aren't alone. And then it also wants to, after it reassures us, it wants to remind us of something. The first verse of this Psalm tells us God is our strength and refuge. And then it declares that God is a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Thank God we have a helper in God who is always there in times of trouble. Our God is a strong refuge and rescue and helper. And Psalm 46 wants to remind us who God is. And it also wants to remind us of who we're supposed to be. Now, the word for helper here is from the Hebrew word azer. And it's a very meaningful word to me personally, because if you flip way back in your Bible to Genesis 2, you'll find that when God first made Adam and looked at Adam and said, you know, I don't think it's good for you to be alone. God said, I will make you a helper. He said, I will make you an Azair. And we see in woman and Eve, when God created her, that God put his Azairness in her because the world needed an Azair. Man needed an Azair. And really, Azair is like a, a word that's used to describe God, not just in Psalm 46, but many other places in the Bible. I believe there are 19. And it's kind of a military word. Like a lot of times it's like in, in this Psalm, right? Like he's a, he's the God of armies. He's strong and he's mighty and he's breaking spears and he's defending his people and he's rescuing them and he's not leaving them alone. I and mean, that's a powerful help. 
And that's how God made women. Crazy, right? Not how we really think of helper when we think of a woman often, but that is what God put in women, that determination that I will not allow my people to be alone. I will defend and protect and fight and work and do whatever is necessary to meet the needs in my community. So the word azare is used both to describe women in Genesis two, and it's used to describe God in several different places in the Bible. And so if we think of those together, we get a better picture of who God is. If we think about what women are like, we can kind of see more how God as an azare can come to our rescue. Um, a few weeks ago, our family went to visit my grandmother. She has a new home she's living in. She has moved into this great community and she loves it. And she is an Azare. Let me tell you, my grandmother has lived through wars and losing husbands and, you know, sick children and pandemics and polio. And I mean, she's 92 years old. She's seen some stuff and she started all over again. She's so brave. I'm so proud of her and impressed by her and inspired by her. She started all over again in this home. And so we went to go visit her um, and we met in their COVID meeting room. You know, it's all these little restrictions and things, but that's great. I'm super glad they're keeping her safe. And when we got there, Morgan walked in and I will tell you, Morgan is my grandmother's favorite. She's my biological grandmother. We call her Gigi. However, Gigi loves Morgan. Everybody knows it. <laughs> she has a special fondness for my husband, which is so sweet. And he came in and she could not wait to tell him something. I mean, she was like, Morgan, 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 I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this. And she starts telling him that there's a new nurse there at, at, in the house where she lives. And he's new to the city and he just moved here. And she could tell he was kind of lonely. And she, he kept coming to her and kind of chatting with her one night. And so she reached out and asked him, you know, are you a Christian? Do you, do you believe in God? And he said, yes, yes, I am. And she said, okay, well, I want to invite you to church. And she went on <laughs> to invite this man to church, to our church mosaic. She described the layout of the building. She described the parking lots. She described the people. She told him who would meet her, at, he, meet him at the door, what they would say, how they would be, how wonderful it was. I mean, she just told him everything you could possibly ever tell a person about a church or a community. And she said, I just really hope he comes. I just know he needs people. He's so lonely and new to town. That's an Azare. That's the kind of Azare that God is. God sees a lonely person and he goes out of his way to give you every possible resource you could need in order to find a community, in order to find connection and people who will love you. When we look at my grandmother, we see God in a way, right? Like we can see what God kind of would do for us in that story. God is like a grandmother, right? He's like an Azare who befriends the lost and the lonely. God's like a mother who sings a lullaby to let her child know that she's always going to be there. God is like a woman who will drop everything to drive across town to help a friend finish something that needs to be done or rescue her from a situation she needs to be in or pick her up on the side of the road. He's like a person who refuses to leave people in need who will run toward the earthquake, run toward the shaking building in order to make sure people are safe and protected and defended. God seeks out the vulnerable and places them in places of safety. Thinking about how our God is a strong helper, it, it helps us to know who we want to be in the world. Because if God is an Azare, then we should want to be Azares as well. 
Now, I don't know if you heard about it, but Austin and Texas had this huge winter storm this year. Um, I know from a Canadian perspective, our temperatures and snow accumulation probably seemed like quite a normal day. However, Texas doesn't build its buildings for sub-zero temperatures and a couple feet of snow. We are not set up for that, okay? Our structures aren't. Our homes are not made for that. It was really, really, honestly, like a disaster zone here in Austin. Pipes were bursting. Our electricity grid went out, and people were without electricity and water for multiple days. It was wild. Now, some of our friends actually even burned their own furniture to stay warm. Our family was just trying to survive these rolling blackouts and keep our faucets dripping. And I felt like that was enough. The grocery stores were closed. We barely had enough food to make it. I was really worried that our teenage boys were going to be really hungry soon. But my husband, that was not enough for my husband. He rose up like an Azare and he decided our church was going to become a shelter. And he left us at home to fend for ourselves, which we did just fine because we're tough. Texans, right? Um, and he he went and lived at the church for a few days because our church was opened up to displaced people and the homeless of our city who hadn't, there were not enough shelters to keep the homeless warm and they were not outfitted for the winter that we were having. And all that was fine. The city of Austin dropping people off at our church, super great. We were so happy. What great Jesus work this is to do for our city. We were so happy to meet the needs of our city until our water got shut off somehow. <laughs> our pipes froze or they shut off the water. The city did. I'm not sure which. We had no water. So we had no working toilets for the over 50 people who were now housed in our facility. And then some of our homeless friends who we were sheltering got in some fights with some of our other homeless friends because they're not used to the tight quarters. They're used to kind of being out on their own. They don't always get along with each other. And fights broke out and it was not a good situation. And our volunteers were not equipped to deal with that kind of situation. We needed a police officer really on our grounds to kind of help keep the peace and monitor things. But there were no police officers. We kept calling the city and they kept telling us there's no officers. We have no one to send you. All of our emergency workers are out rescuing people right now. So someone looked at Morgan and said, you're just going to have to send all those people away. And Morgan thought about sending 30 homeless people out into, you know, zero, negative six degrees, whatever. Um, And he knew they would die. And so he said no. And he knew God was in his air and he's going to be in his air. And we were not going to leave people alone in the cold in the winter. And so he prayed. He said, we're going to pray. And he prayed and he asked our Azair God for help. Lord, we need a police officer to stay the night here and help us. And literally 15 minutes later, the city called him and said, guess what? You know, we've had no one available all day, but we just found this random officer who was able to leave his house because a lot of our officer police officers were stranded in their own homes. And he can come and stay at your church and take care of your situation. And God came through for that, for us in that way. He was an Azair. He was a strong rescue. And seeing that made us even braver in the things that we did. And we went all over the city helping people. We collected over $20,000 that we put back into the city to help our schools rebuild and teachers resupply their classrooms. And God just did amazing things in Austin as we moved into the storm, into the quaking, into the icy cold 
to see what God would be able to use us to do. We're super grateful. And God is a strong helper who reminds us to be strong helpers too. And once we remember that truth, we can hold on to who God is, remember who we're meant to be, and we'll find our perspective gets refocused. And that's our third point. After God reassures us, and then he reminds us, and God uses this psalm to refocus us. Verse 10 of Psalm 46 says, Stop fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. In the message version of this, it says, Take a long, loving look at me, your God, high, your high God, above politics, above everything. Somehow being reminded of who God really is helps us see everything in its proper order. Now, in December of 2019, I want you to know I was living my best life. Um, I was super excited about my year. 2020 was supposed to be a great year. We had lots of plans and I'll get to that. But in December of 2019, I went to a routine doctor's visit and they ran routine tests and the results were not routine. So I went back for more tests and, you know, if you've been through that, you kind of go back and forth and you're waiting, waiting, waiting. The tension is building and the nerves are growing. And, um, by the time we were on the biopsy stage, I was getting a little freaked out and I stood in worship the last Sunday of 2019 telling God how scared I was. I didn't like how hazy my future was. I couldn't tell what was coming. I listed off my plans I had in 2020, all these wonderful things I wanted to do. Um, I had a, I had a book. My first book was being published in February. I had speaking engagements. My husband was um, supposed to take a trip with our oldest to go to the final four. Somebody had gotten them tickets to the final four, which is like a miracle. Um, our family was supposed to go to California on vacation, which we hadn't been in forever. Morgan and I were supposed to take a trip to Italy for our anniversary. And I was super excited about that. And we had lots of work to do. We had all these things happening at church and we were doing a building campaign. And I just thought, God, how can I be sick in the midst of all this? How can, how can I live if all this stuff gets canceled? And the voice of God came to me in that worship service. And he said this phrase to me, he said, let me do something for you. Now I know that sounds encouraging if you're a person who is not cynical. However, I, I heard that as the worst is about to happen. And then I'm going to save you from it. I was not excited about that. However, as I held those words in my hand, let me do something for you. I realized it's the whole gospel, isn't it? The whole gospel is really Jesus hanging on a cross with his arms out wide saying, let me do something for you. Let me do something for you that you could never do for yourself. Let me save you in a way you didn't even need to be saved. Let me do something amazing for you. Just wait, wait and see, trust and believe. I'm doing something for you. And so I settled in and I thought, all right, God, okay, whatever comes, I'm going to trust you're going to, you're going to do something for me. And when all the reports came back from the doctor and they called me on the phone and they were like, you're good. You're perfectly fine. I was a little bit like, Lord, why do you have to go and be so dramatic? I mean, I know I'm dramatic, but do you really have to be dramatic back? Like, this is ridiculous. You freaked me out completely when everything, just tell me next time, everything's going to be okay. That's all I want to hear from you. And God was very quiet when I told him that because that was January by that time of 2020. I went through February of 2020 and things were still pretty much normal. And then March hit 
right? Like we were the nail and March of 2020 was Thor's hammer <laughs> driving us so deep into the, into the wood that we were in. Nobody ever saw us again. We were hammered by 2020. And I remember crying to God as every single thing that I had said happened. Every single thing was canceled. And it didn't even occur to me until I was talking to God about it all and telling God how scared I was that we were going to get sick. And then I went, oh yeah, we've had this conversation before. And the Lord <laughs> gently like, you know, patted my shoulder. <laughs> he was like, Carrie, yeah, you misapplied my word, right? Like you were worried about the wrong thing. I was trying to tell you, no matter what happens this year, no matter what losses come, no matter how bad it gets, trust that I am doing something for you. Our lives quaked and the things that were solid no longer were. And that's when I realized, God, he wasn't talking about cancer. He was talking about COVID-19. He'd been trying to tell me that the struggle and loss we faced was still in his hands, that he is the God who holds all things. Psalm 46 is singing to us about how God wants to do something for us today. He's holding all the loss, all the pain, all the fear, all the haziness of our future. What's going to happen with COVID-19? How are we going to make it? He's holding all of it and us in in his hands. And he wants to reassure us, we're not crazy. This is hard. And he wants to remind us that he's still God high above politics, (laughs) high above Facebook, high above arguments and debates and misinformation and sickness, that he is the God above all things and that he holds us as our Azair. And just like my grandmother was intent on getting that young man plugged into our church, God wants to plug us into our churches. We are still the body of Christ. We are still the people carrying the truth about the hope of God. We are still the ones with the answer to how God can heal the world. We've got to reach out, right? We've got to reconnect somehow what's happening out there with who God really is in here, in us, in our lives, in our community. We're in a hazy season, but God's doing something for us. We're his chosen people sent into the world as his heirs his strong helpers ready to rescue and protect. We're meant to know and love and declare the truth about God. And he wants to refocus us. He wants to refocus us on the same thing we've been doing, right? Since the beginning of our walks with God, trusting God, obeying God, declaring his word and ministering to his people. I want to pray with that, pray for us. At the end of the psalm, it says, stop fighting and know that I am God exalted among the nations, exalted in the earth. I want to pray for us to be a community, to be the body of Christ that will remind the world who God really is. That we will help people to stop fighting. We will help people to find peace. We will sing the lullaby they need to be reassured, to be reminded, and to be refocused so that they also can have hope and faith, and the solid ground of the gospel to stand on even when the world shakes. So let me pray for us. 
God, we thank you for being our great and mighty Azair. We thank you for holding us in your hands. We thank you for reassuring us that we're not crazy, that we're not alone, and for reminding us that you are our Azair, that you are our strong helper. You're fighting for us, rescuing us, defending us. And I thank you for refocusing our hearts, even when new bad news is coming, even when new restrictions come. God, you hold all of it in your hand and you are working to do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. I pray for protection and healing in our communities. I pray for faith to rise in our hearts. I pray you would give us a hope beyond this hazy season that you are coming and you are going to move in our midst and meet us where we are and that you're going to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. We love you so much, Jesus. I pray you be with each person on this and this meeting. I pray you be with each one of us in a clear and defined way. Lord, let us hear your voice. Let us be reassured and reminded and refocused. We love you so much. Thank you for your songs, for your lullabies that bring us peace. be a part of your church today. Um, it's been wonderful being here and I love you guys. Love from Texas. And if you ever come to town, please don't hesitate to reach out. Bye. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.